What's up, self-improver? It is Brian Ford with Self Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It is time for a self-improvement sit-down, and if I'm being honest, it is one of my favorite to date, so be sure to give it the time and attention it deserves right now. If you're new to the podcast, every weekday I feature a two-minute tip about a personal development exercise, approach, mindset, observation, reflection, or anything that you can use to gain more self-awareness and build skills in the pursuit of your potential. This episode is a bit different though. In self-improvement sit-down interviews, I speak in detail with an industry leader who breaks down complex, fundamental concepts that relate to your self-growth. The tips come back tomorrow, but for now, let's jump into this incredible conversation. This is self-improvement sit-down number 45 with Brian Johnson. And we are live. Today's guest is the legend, Brian Johnson. Brian has spent half of his life building businesses and half of his life as a modern day philosopher, intricately weaving the learnings of ancient wisdom with modern science. He has a holistic approach to taking care of the mind, body, and spirit, or the soul, so that you can continue pursuing your ultimate potential and become the hero you're destined to be. Brian is the founder of Optimize, a top personal development mobile app and resource, an elite coach, and a lifelong learner. Brian, super excited to chat with you today. Brian, I appreciate that nice intro and um, great to connect. Yeah. Name bro, Brian and Brian. I love that. You're the second Brian I've had uh, on the podcast. It's always a little tricky being like, how do I refer to you? But the same name. name. Bro, that's good. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. I don't get out much, but I like that. Name bro. Perfect. All right. We're going to make it happen. What I love about your work and the things that you do is how you can guide people to basically chase the same ultimate goal, which is to become a hero. You know, everything is centralized about pursuing your own version of being a hero. And it's an interesting analogy because heroes are kind of perceived to be untouchable. It's not necessarily something that you can become, but it's something that you can pursue. So in your mind, if that's what we're trying to aspire to be, you know, what does that do for us? What does it mean to be a hero? And like, how can we really use that in order to kind of provide direction around our efforts? Yeah, well, I, for me, I step back. I love etymology of words. And when I first heard about what the word hero means, I was just blown away. And I've asked a ton of people, do you know what the word hero actually means? And the only person who's ever been able to answer the question other than someone I've taught is the guy who taught me. So the word hero, like you, you were saying, you, we think that you either have it or you don't, you know, but in ancient Greece, when they came up with the word hero, they didn't use a word that was like tough guy or killer of bad guys. The word meant protector. So a hero was a protector. And from my vantage point, we can all be heroes. And not only that, we all need to be heroes. In a world like the one we live in right now, I like to say we need heroes today more than ever before. We need you to be a hero. And then, you know, a couple of the things we talk about is the hero is willing to do the hard work um, to have the strength for two, to be a protector. And the ancients told us that the hero's secret weapon wasn't strength or cunning or any of these things. It was love. Mm. So the secret weapon of the hero is love. It's love that gets us to do the hard work, to have that strength for two, to have the courage to do what needs to get done, you know, and the self-mastery to do what needs to get done, whether we feel like it or not, et cetera. But yeah, we, we like to lean on, on the idea of a hero quite a bit and um, help people kind of lay the foundation in their lives so they can show up more and more powerfully. Beautiful. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it is a common misconception, you know, I mean, even media has portrayed it to be a certain way where it's like, you know, it, it is an untouchable thing. You know, if you become a hero, that means you are this sub or, you know, sub or beyond human kind of figure. And when we can embrace that each one of us has heroic qualities, then that gives us a little more optimism about some of the things that we're trying to pursue. So I'm, I love how you've been able to reframe that. I think it, it makes something that we all can relate to and aspire to be more approachable, um, which helps us in pursuing it. And, and something that kind of relates to that is like a secondary element of this like pursuit, right? Is the idea of pursuing perfectionism because we also perceive that heroes are perfect. And, you know, I mean, a lot of comics say, you know, that heroes have many flaws, but overall, like they are perfect in so many ways, but perfectionism isn't really attainable, right? We're never going to get all the way there when it comes to what we're pursuing. So when it comes to like how a hero or like us stepping into our role as heroes and pursuing our own heroic journey, how do we deal with that reality that we're never truly going to be perfect? Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the most um, toxic challenges to not only becoming more and more heroic, but just enjoying our lives. This idea that, you know, people out there are perfect and something's wrong with me because I face challenges. But I've got, you know, we're talking, we're going to share this via audio, but we're on video right now. And behind me, I've got, you know, a wall full of portraits of some of my heroes. So I've got Steve Jobs up there, kind of the entrepreneurial hero, Abraham Lincoln, um, Emerson, et cetera. And, you know, even Steve Jobs, like he, he was kicked out of his own company. I mean, you know, we think of Steve Jobs now and he's just this iconic hero, but he literally was fired from his own company. And, and he was just reading this yesterday in a book on entrepreneurialism by Jim Collins that at one point when he was kicked out, you know, uh, some president candidate or something was in Silicon Valley, 500 CEOs were invited to this, this gathering. He wasn't even one of them. He wasn't even respected enough to be one of the 500 people in, the, in Silicon Valley to be invited to this kind of party. Um, so we have this myth that heroes are perfect. And, and in fact, the exact opposite is true. The hero is the one who's willing to go into the forest of the unknown, as Joseph Campbell says, and fall down again and again and again. And it's in that process that they become strong enough to actually show up and do great things. So that's an important thing to know. And I used to suffer a lot because I thought something was wrong with me because I suffered. And, you know, when you start looking a little deeper, even Abraham Lincoln to go next to Steve Jobs, he was so depressed, his friends had to remove sharp objects from his house after he failed at one point, you know, and, and he said, look, I got to, I just got to get better. I got to show up. I got to work a little bit harder and do what needs to get done. So there's that. And we can talk more about the science of perfectionism of holding high standards while knowing you're never going to hit them is kind of one of the most important lessons we can learn, but I'll pause there and kick it back to you. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I would like to get there because I know that there's an analogy that you use, which is, okay, if you think about your role in the universe, right? It's like actually picture what the universe is, you know, and, and how you are this one speck on this one planet in this one solar system that is, you know, in this one galaxy in this universe and who knows how infinite the universe is, you know? So it's like, if we're trying to pursue this ideal, like, what you're doing is so important, what you're like contributing is so important, yet in the scope of it, it's so insignificant that there's this huge gap between your aspirations and vision for how things are, and then the reality of it. And there's kind of that dissonance that I think relates to this perfectionism too, because that's just the reality of our life is we're managing all these different factors at the same time. So yeah, I mean, if you want to go more tactical on perfectionism, because I do think it, I kind of, it, it paints that broader picture that, um, that I could find really useful for sure. 
It's funny. I, I got that metaphor, you know, that we're this, you know, tiny little speck and a tiny little speck and a tiny little speck in this huge, huge, infinitely expanding universe from Trip Lanier, a friend of mine. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we got to hold the both, but, you know, at the same time, what we do does matter. So then the roles that we play in our lives, we want to play as well as we can mm. with the wisdom and the humility to know that, yeah, okay. in the huge picture doesn't mean anything yet at the same time, Let's go have that strength for two. Let's go do the little things, the eating, the moving, the sleeping, the turning off the electronics to be present with our friends and family um, that actually add up to something significant as we really check in and see like, what am I here to do? You know, this life is brief. I usually carry a memento mori, you know, coin. Like this, this life is precious. What are you going to do with it? Let's go out and get to work. So yeah, there's that beautiful paradox um, and then at the end of the day, now what needs to get done, let's discipline ourselves to go out and, um, give the world all we've got. Right. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, something that relates to the hero that you were kind of talking about a little bit more before, but, you know, being a hero, sure. There is this kind of broader perspective of like, all right, if you're not going to be perfect, you can pursue your best self. Right. So kind of within your own context, how do you get into those daily habits and rituals that allows you to perform in the field of competition? You find yourself, you know, so that's kind of one side. But then in order for you to be classified as a hero, you know, you, you are going to encounter those obstacles, you know, like you're going to actually, um, you, a, a hero is defined by the things that he or she overcomes and he or she feels like they cannot overcome it. And then they do, you know, so it's like, it's not just like sunshine and rainbows when it comes to like this pursuit, like you really have to uh, bridge that gap. And, and I think that relates to one of my favorite philosophies that you have, which is about anti-fragility, you know, so like. <laughs> how you can actually, well, I'll let you explain it. You know, what, what is anti-fragility and, and what are the alternatives um, if you're not pursuing anti-fragility? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, as you know, that's one of my favorite concepts too. So I got the word anti-fragile from Nassim Taleb, um, who wrote a great book by the same name. And the basic idea is, look, you can be fragile, which, you know, imagine you're a package being sent in the mail. It's got, you know, I'm fragile. Um, don't kick me around or I'll break, right? Or you can be resilient, which is you're a little bit stronger. You're not fragile, but, you know, you kicked around, you're going to break down, then you can bounce back faster. That's resilient. But what's the opposite of being fragile? The opposite of being fragile isn't resilient. It's anti-fragile. And I just fell in love with this idea that Nassim talks about, which is kick me around. Because the harder you kick me around, the stronger I'm going to get. So imagine that. Imagine a package being sent out. It doesn't say I'm fragile, handle me with care. It says kick me around. Because the more obstacles I face, the stronger I get. And the reality is that we can each choose to show up in whatever way we want and use whatever we face as fuel for our growth. So Ryan Holiday talks about this in his book, The Obstacle is the Way, referencing Marcus Aurelius, who's another hero I got back there. Um, and they, Nassim and, and Aurelius both use the metaphor of a fire. So a fire is fueled by wind and everything else you throw into it, right? Um, whereas a candle, Nassim tells us <clears throat> that the wind will extinguish a candle, but it will fuel a fire. The wind will extinguish a candle, but it will fuel a fire. So the question is, how are you showing up? If you're a little flickering candle, then every little obstacle is going to knock you out. It's going to blow out your, your flame. But if we can really create the strength, um, and again, we can talk about how via a strong protocol, et cetera, then we can use every single obstacle as an opportunity to get stronger, which as an aside is why coaches that go through our program have to do a Spartan race 
in order to graduate or an equivalent, because we want to get them in the best shape of their lives. But we also want to teach them that if you approach life right, all the obstacles are fun. So you go to a Spartan race, it's an obstacle course. For those who don't know, obstacle racing, right? You pay to go face obstacles. It's fun to go meet an obstacle that challenges you to show up as your best. We want to approach our lives with the exact same orientation. So when something challenging happens in your life, you want to rub your hands together and go, oh, I'm being challenged right now to see what I'm made of and if I can get a little bit stronger right now. Not crawling into bed and pulling the covers over our heads and saying, oh, no, another challenge. One more metaphor. It's like going to the gym and you go to the gym and you want to get stronger. You lift weights and you lift real weights because you know that growth occurs right outside of your comfort zone. You would never go to the gym and lift styrofoam weights. It wouldn't make any sense. You go there to deliberately push yourself and that's how you get stronger. So that same idea applies. Um, and that's some of how I approach the whole idea of being anti-fragile. And it's one of the things that, that has most influenced um, the people in our program um, to really reorient the relationship to struggle, challenge, et cetera. And it's not a sign something's wrong with you. It's a sign something's right. It's a sign that you're pushing yourself uh, you know, beyond what you're currently capable of. And that's the only possible way we can get stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's the reframe right there is like, what purpose is this serving in my life? You can let it kind of knock you down and make you kind of, I don't know, question your reasons or question your effort to see if, you know, that really is something you're supposed to be doing, which is disempowering, or you can step into it and say, Hey universe, thank you for this. Like this is a tool that I'm using. I'm going to leverage it and it's going to catapult me to my next phase or tier of growth or performance or whatever you're pursuing. And I love how you've been able to implement that in such a practical way within your coaching program, which is here is a Spartan race by like definition, there are obstacles here. What do you think of those obstacles? You know, it's like, and I think that's kind of where I was going when I was first learning about this anti-fragile mindset is you can go to bed, you know, one day and be like, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to be different and I'm going to, you know, have all of these obstacles make me stronger. I am going to like absolutely crush it no matter what comes my way. Like it's easy to think that, but then when it comes to doing it, it's an entirely different thing. So I guess when it, yeah, if we are getting a little more tactical, practical, if you want to begin kind of reversing that mindset or at least strengthening this new anti-fragile mindset, like what are some real things that you can do that helps to, to really solidify that reframe? Yeah, well, it's interesting because the two words that I use together in terms of what we teach is anti-fragile confidence. So what I want to help people create in their lives is anti-fragile confidence. So let's go to the etymology of confidence. Confidere literally means with intense trust. Confidere, with intense trust. So intense trust in what? Most people have the naive idea that it's intense trust that whatever plan I have is going to work out. That's confidence. But that isn't confidence. True confidence is you have intense trust in yourself that it doesn't matter what happens to you. You have what it takes to show up and meet that challenge with an anti-fragile mindset. So when you put the two together, anti-fragile confidence, intense trust that you will get stronger with every obstacle you face, that's the orientation that we want to arrive at. And then the way to develop intense trust in yourself is the same way you develop trust in any relationship, which is be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So if you say you're going to do something, get in the habit of doing it. And again, we're talking mundane things first and foremost, eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, training your mind, et cetera. When you say you're going to do something, first of all, notice how often you say it when you actually don't intend to do it, pair that back and get really clear on what's really important to you. 
figure out what, what even one thing you could start doing that would most improve your life. And then let's go master the process of, of mastering yourself, which is its own art and science in terms of behavioral design, et cetera. But we wanna build intense trust between what some authors I admire would call your dreamer and your doer. That part of you that can see the better version of you and the part of you that actually does or doesn't do the things that are necessary in order to be that best version of you. So that, that relationship between yourself needs to be optimized. Um, and as we develop a protocol where we're doing the things that we know we need to do to stay plugged in, you develop an intense trust. And then the final thought here is an idea from my coach, Phil Stutz. I've worked with him for four years. He wrote a, my favorite book of all time called The Tools. He also happens to work with guys from Hollywood like Jonah Hill and Joaquin Phoenix who are doing a documentary on him on Netflix right now. But he told me something years ago that just stuck in my head that I now teach, which is the worse you feel, the more committed you need to be to your protocol. So the worse you feel, the more committed you are to your protocol. Now that presupposes you know what your quote protocol is, which is basically a checklist of things you do when you're on. So what do you do when you're on? We, most of us don't take the time to know that. So we got to figure out, well, look, I go to bed at this time and I get up and I eat this way and I move my body, et cetera. But what's your protocol? And then the trick is most people, most of the time, myself included in the past, the worse we feel, the least committed we are to our protocol. That's when we let things go. We quit doing the little things and then we spiral out down. Now, if you can reverse that such that when you feel the little gremlins coming in, which will always happen to all of us, you use that as a switch you flip to go more deeply into your practices. Now, goosebumps as I say that, you're mm -hmm. anti-fragile, you're unstoppable because then the more you get around, the more you strengthen your protocol. And then you realize, oh my God, that, that's literally the equation for anti-fragile confidence. The worse I feel, the more committed I am to doing what keeps me plugged in. Then the harder you get kicked, the more disciplined you are. And boom, you get stronger where you used to get destroyed. And there's something about that really getting that, not just intellectually, but, but experientially, that true trust comes. Well, you're still going to get knocked down. Mm -hmm. You will still never be perfect to go back to the prior chat, but you're getting a little bit stronger, you're getting a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, and there's a quicker turnaround and you truly get the fact that those obstacles can, if you approach it with the right mindset, literally make you stronger. That, I mean, that is a game-changing approach. Like, like from top to bottom, that's a game-changing approach because, I mean, something that I found really important in my own development, you know, I'm a fraction of the way along my journey as you are, but what I've found is, you need to establish the protocol in order to pursue the protocol. And a lot of people just kind of from a philosophical angle are like, oh yeah, it would be good to do this. Or I want to be more like that. But it's like, okay, design it. Like, what does this look like in your life and commit to those values and virtues, right? So it's like, commit to it. How is that representing your life? And I love what you mentioned about discipline. Discipline isn't only doing what you say you're going to do. Like that's what people think it is. It's also not over committing yourself and knowing what you're going to be doing. You know, so there is this kind of, you know, start this, don't do that mentality as it relates to this overall protocol so that you can hone in on all of this. And I think kind of a lot of what I do in my teachings and learnings is kind of this, like the identity behavior change work of, you know, as you are committed to a protocol, you continue to kind of prime the subconscious in a certain way, just validating time and time again, this is important. This is important. This is important. And then as you start kind of experiencing something that, you know, if you're outside of your comfort zone, if, if you are kind of in one of those more like fragile or kind of sensitive exposed mindsets, 
then it just validates even further when you stick to your protocol. And that has even more um, consequences in your psychology to like really prime that subconscious uh, mindset that you're trying to integrate. So I, I think that is just such a cool and comprehensive way about thinking about this because it's, it's something that is so difficult to do. But if you become the conductor of this train, right? Like if you become the one that like really dictates the direction and you stick to your protocol when you're feeling up and when you're feeling down, then there's a, a huge opportunity for growth, um, both from a, like a psychological and just a practical implementation, like results oriented way. Um, so I, I thought, I thought that was amazing. I, I just kind of geeked out there. So pardon me no, for my I little monologue. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's important though. Cause this is a, as a guy that used to be up and down and comes from a family of being up and down, it's like, oh, that's the secret sauce right there. Have a checklist of a few things you do when you're on. Literally just one thing or even two or three things. And as you know, we do energy, work, and love, right? So we've got our energy, our work, our love. We create identities. And as James Clear says brilliantly in Atomic Habits, your identity literally means repeated beingness. So the more you are that best version of yourself, especially when you don't feel like it, the stronger you get. And again, that's easier to say than to do. Perfect. Go approach it with that mindset and go try it out. Simplify um, each step of the way. And um, yeah, it's uh, powerful stuff. Perfect. Really powerful. Yeah. And then when it comes to establishing that protocol, you know, something that you really use to guide you are virtues, you know, so you kind of figure out and there are, you know, five universal virtues that we all are pursuing that kind of round out our life. If we have kind of success or an understanding in these different areas, then, you know, we can start kind of establishing protocols around that. You know, this is just kind of a, a general um, rule of thumb, which you've come upon from a number of different sources. And, you know, I love that explanation, but so those five virtues are gratitude, hope, zest, curiosity, and love. And, and the one that is the best predictor of your well-being is zest, you know, kind of an enthusiasm for life, which I think is really interesting because um, you can tell, like it's contagious when someone approaches you and you, they just have this kind of energy about them. You know that, you know, they're kind of either owning their life or happier, fulfilled in the things that they're doing. And that's cool because there's that external communication, but there's also kind of that internal understanding. So, so when it comes to like this core virtue of zest, you know, like what things can we start doing to, to be a little bit more intentional about showing up enthusiastically, having the right energy and like just really being that person that embodies that virtue. Yeah. So then to step back for a moment. So then those are the five top scientifically most established, you know, virtues associated with flourishing. And we can talk a lot about ancient wisdom, modern science, et cetera. Um, and then there's some cardinal virtues that I lean on wisdom, self-mastery, courage, and love. And then the five kind of scientific but yeah, if you look at the science um, that comes out of the positive psychology movement, they'll tell you that hope and gratitude are huge and they each have scientific kind of principles to them. But the number one predictor of your well-being is what they call zest, which is kind of a weird word for what I like to describe as kind of energy and then enthusiasm, as you said. So this is why, again, in, in our work, we are fiercely focused on the fundamentals. So eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing your mind, et cetera. And we tend to take these small things for granted. And they're not quite everything, but pretty close. And you can't get your psychology right if your physiology is off. If you're only getting four or five or even six hours of sleep and you need seven, eight or nine, which is what the science says, then good luck. You can do every, all these ideas in the world, but I promise you, 
you will not even come close to expressing your fullest potential um, and, and feel great about it psychologically on a consistent basis. And I speak as an expert in that. Um, you don't want to see me with six or seven hours of sleep consistently or five or six or seven vis-a-vis you know, seven and a half, eight, nine hours of sleep, got eight and a half or something. Actually, I only got seven hours and 50 minutes last night, but that's huge. So we tend to take it for granted that the little things just don't matter that much, but ultimately they do. That's where we focus and we can talk details on it, but you want to get your energy dialed in. And that's via, again, the protocol we can establish across those fundamentals. That's awesome. Yeah. I think people, um, including myself, you know, we get ahead of ourselves when it's like, oh, like I want to implement this new habit. I'm going to do this or that. And like kind of play that psychological game, but you aren't capable to play that full psychological game until you have your physiological or your physical game lined up. So that's what um, kind of, I was focusing the end of 2020 on was let me understand my exercise and sleep and hydration, nutrition habits, just because if I can improve in that, then how can I show up in the things that I'm dedicating myself toward on more of like a a brain and mindset standpoint, because, you know, those two are so intricately related and you're right. It's physiology first and then psychology second. So I, I love that. So when it comes to just being more enthusiastic, it's literally, and, and having the zest, it's literally just preparing your body to be able to produce more energy. You know, like it's not, it's not super difficult. It's, it's very simple. Um, but it's something that you need yeah. to prioritize. Yeah. And then you go back to what I challenge our students on is today started last night. So your day started the day before. So true heroes have decided to be heroes of their own lives. They're not binge watching Netflix. They're not watching pseudo heroes or they're not, you know, looking at pseudo heroes, whether it's in a drama, you know, TV or on a basketball court or whatever. The basketball players, yeah, they do what they do, but they also sleep 11, 12, 13, 14 hours a night. It's insane how much LeBron James sleeps and Tom Brady sleeps and Roger Federer sleeps. If you look at the data, these guys are masters of the fundamentals they've decided what they need to do in order to be locked in and they do those fundamentals more fiercely than anyone else in their craft which is why they are who they are Hmm. um but yeah i think we need to make some fundamental decisions in life of do you truly want to be that best version of yourself or not neither answer is technically fine but when you decide that you truly do want to express the best version of yourself then you make some simple decisions I went to bed last night at 7.30 or something like that after I tucked in the kids (laughs) because I'm not interested in wasting my life force and waking up tired the next morning. I want to wake up at 4.15, which which is what I did this morning and just go hit it, you know, for three hours before most people get up. I've done, I've had a pretty good day, you know, like, (laughs) so there's this really fun opportunity when we get clear on what we want in life. We set some very high standards knowing we're never actually going to hit them perfectly. And then we architect our entire lives around achieving those outcomes. That's what the people we would call heroes, some of whom are worthy of the the title and others may just be kind of more celebrity style. But that's what these individuals are doing more consistently than most. And that's what we can all do when we have the the vision and then discipline to actually architect our lives Mm -hmm. in integrity with who we say we aspire to be. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's something that... um at least what I heard kind of what you were saying with making a simple decision, you know, like I realized I was kind of triggered by that. Um, And this is kind of some of the work that I need to do. And I was triggered to be like, Oh no, it's not a decision. Like there's a sacrifice in there. You know, like there's this thought that if you're prioritizing one thing, then that means you are sacrificing another. 
And, and I think that's just, um, I think that's something a lot of people can relate to because there are so many things that we want to do in the day. And like, of course, we'd all love to sleep nine hours. We'd all love to cook, you know, gourmet meals. And, and, you know, it, it's like, I know that there's kind of this perceived roadblock of like, oh, but I can't do that because I just, I can't afford to, you know, whether it's yeah, time yeah. So or gonna, money. We're going to, we're going to play a little ping pong on this one. So then two things come to mind, like again, victim versus hero. We need to make mm -hmm. that decision as well. You want to be the hero of your own life, or do you want to be the victim? victim of the world and the story you're creating for it. Um, and then GSP comes to mind. So George St. Pierre, arguably the greatest mixed martial artist in history, right? So he actually has a great story because he was 18, 19 or whatever he was, and he was a garbage man, right? Literally collecting garbage. Hmm. And he decided that he was going to be the best in the world at what he did. When he told his father that, his father literally laughed, right? No, really? Like, who, who are you to say you're going to go do that? But then he says that he made the decision to be the best in the world at his craft. And then he made the decision, not sacrifices, to no longer party with his buddies. He's not going out at Friday night anymore. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. But those were not sacrifices. He made the ultimate decision. Then the, all the other decisions were actually pretty easy. Now, his friends probably thought he was crazy. And in some ways, he was. But he was very clear on what was important to him. And then the rest of his life fell in order. And you look at his masterpiece days, his training regimen and what he did, particularly early on in his career, set a clock to it. He'd do this, then this, then this, then this, then boom, sleep and repeat this, this, this. So there are decisions that are made, not sacrifices. When we truly decide who we are and who we're committed to being. And then again, things get easier. When you have a really profound, deep yes, Stephen Covey said, it's easy to say no to the nonsense. It's, mm -hmm. I haven't had a TV for 15 plus years. Why would I waste my time watching TV? And if I waste plenty of time doing other stupid things, you know, too much digital news lately, whatever. But I want to be aware of that. How many minutes did I just give to that? Because you add those minutes up, they become hours, they become dozens of hours, they become a lot of time that you can do some very meaningful things with. And it's these little margins that when you're going for greatness and truly aspiring to be the best, most heroic version of yourself, those things matter. Mm -hmm. Full stop. Yeah, no, th thanks for the clarification, you know, because it is the perspective you take toward it. And every single day on the podcast, what I say is take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time, you know, and it, it really embodies that, like, it's not a sacrifice if it's your decision, you know, so it's like, have confidence, you know, going back to that conversation, have confidence in what you've prioritized and know that this is best for you. And if other people don't understand, that's their problem. You know, it's not your problem. So there is that element to it. And then the second part of one tip at a time is start small, you know, like you don't need to build Rome, you know, in a day, you know, as the expression goes, like start small. And if it's one of these protocols, you know, get to sleep better, keep your phone away from your nightstand when you're going to, you know, like there are these small things that you can do. And then it kind of starts adding on top of itself because you're right. One minute watching TV turns into hours, turns into days, turns into weeks. And then you're looking back at your life being like, wow, I spent a lot of time doing this and I didn't necessarily want to, you know, but it starts in that really like minuscule and micro um, kind of like spectrum. So I love that perspective. All right, cool. And then to wrap this up, uh, this has been awesome. And this is a, kind of like a selfish question because I know that it piggybacks off of a lot of the things like I was just perceiving incorrectly about that kind of last concept. So I think it's, it's going to be helpful for other people as well, which is kind of this idea of feeling pressure when you've committed to your protocols, you know? So it's, it's the idea that, oh, personal development, you know, what if I have ice cream one night? What if, oh, I can't, you know? And there's kind of that almost rejection of the things that you like. And there is this overall pressure to be this person that you've committed to being, whether or not you feel that way in the moment. So 
how would a hero kind of relate to this self-imposed and also external pressure that comes upon you um, in order to like really embody that shift um, and, and to feel good and to like feel empowered through it all? That's a good one. So it's funny because I, I end my conversations when I was interviewing people with, um, hey, what's the one thing you want us thinking about, right? So Stephen Kotler's answer comes to mind to your question, right? Um, when I asked him the question, he said, no pressure, no diamonds. Hmm. No pressure, no diamonds. So what do you want? If you want to just, you know, live a normal life, well, then go do what everyone else is doing. But the reality is we live in a profoundly sick society, literally and metaphorically, majority of people are overweight or obese, the majority of people are going to get cancer, and all the other things that we don't want to have. And again, I would offer our world needs heroes today more than ever before. And when you raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm going to strive to live heroically, that does come with pressure. Now we want to balance this within the constraints of reality, and not shame ourselves when we inevitably fall short of those standards, which we will. Yet at the same time, those high standards are the very things that are going to catalyze us and catapult us to the next levels of our evolution. So ultimately no pressure, no diamonds. And then I'm reminded of um, Doc Rivers. Yeah, so Doc Rivers is in, I rarely watch anything, right? But I watched the um, last dance and I watched the first episode of some Netflix thing where it's about coaches and the wisdom they've gained, right? He had a great line on pressure. He said that pressure is a privilege. You get to the NBA championships, you're feeling pressure, that is a privilege. You are privileged to be in a position in which you're being challenged to perform at your best. That is literally a privilege mm. that you want to approach with all the appropriate, you know, butterflies and just the energy that comes up. Even Tiger Woods said the day that he's not nervous, when he steps up to the first tee is the day he quits. Now you think Tiger, we think Tiger Woods is invincible and he doesn't feel nerves. Of course he does. It's that energy that gives him the edge. He's just learned how to interpret it positively. And so the other thought, then I'll wrap it up on this, is your, com your, your infinite potential, as my coach Phil Stutz likes to say, exists on the other side of your comfort zone. Your infinite potential exists on the other side of your comfort zone. And you don't even need to go like two miles out of your comfort zone, just one inch outside of your comfort zone, which is actually the healthy way, as you say, one tip at a time, that's how you get better. So when you feel uncomfortable, aka pressure in your life, you got to reverse your desire. Rather than want to avoid that pressure or that discomfort, you want to get really good at saying, bring it on. Mm -hmm. That spot right there, again, an inch or two outside of your comfort zone, not a mile or two, right? But just a little bit outside. Oh, I feel that pressure again. I feel that fear. I feel that anxiety. I feel that whatever. And realize that that's how you're going to become the next best version of yourself. Um, by leaning into it. They literally, the guys that wrote the tools have a mantra, bring it on. Anytime you feel that, say, bring it on to yourself. That was an incredible summary of everything we just talked about because you step out of your comfort zone. That's all pressure is, is it is you being pushed out of your comfort zone. And you feel that because that, that pressure you feel is literally you being out of your comfort zone and your psychology resisting that. You know, that's why you perceive that pressure. And then what do you do when you have that pressure is you have the anti-fragile mindset is you allow yourself to embrace it being like, Hey, this is difficult for me. This is what's necessary for me in my pursuit. So instead of kind of feeling bad about this pressure, like, Oh man, I'm not capable of this. I'm not worthy. Like that's all of the things that have been holding you back in the past, get through that and use it as the fuel and the vehicle for your growth. And you're going to be unstoppable.
Well, then just let's, let's speak to that for one more moment. You may, in fact, not be worthy yet. So that's an important distinction that to be worthy, the word dignity literally means to be worthy. So there's this, there's a paradoxical embrace of audacity and this vision of what we can be and humility of the work that we need to do and constantly striving to be worthy of meeting greater and greater challenges. So yes, we can meet that challenge. We can go do it. And yes, we probably have a lot more work to do. And that's perfect. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with us. It just means we've got a lot more work to do. And the higher your aspiration, the more work you have to do. I mean, the true master, as George Leonard says, knows they're never going to get there. There's no there there. And for every mile you take toward your destination, you love the journey so much, you hope your destination gets two miles further away. Like there's something about that too, um, where you know you're never actually going to get there. Then you genuinely get curious about, I wonder what I'm capable of. And yep, I'm up against that edge again. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, so yes, with a slight little asterisk there on the, mm-hmm. the playful audacity mixed with the noble humility and then the fierce, ruthless, consistent um, action that brings it all to life. Yep, absolutely. And it reminds me of Lao Tzu, you know, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, you know? So it's like, if we do want to pursue that ultimate potential, what's your first step today? You know, if that's waking up at 6 AM, like you've told yourself you're going to do all year, you know, in 2021, or is it, you know, not, you know, cooking a home meal instead of getting out and getting some fast food today. Like it starts with one decision and then it compounds and grows. Brian Johnson, you are an animal. You are a beast. This is incredible. Um, now I learned a ton from this conversation. I'm continuing to learn a ton from you and all of the incredible work you're doing. And I'm just very grateful uh, to know you. So thank you so much for making the time. This has been awesome. I'm thrilled to connect name, bro. Keep up the great work. Let's go. That was next level from optimized and heroic founder, personal development legend, Brian Johnson. We covered some incredible stuff. Let me pick out a few things that stood out to me. We're all heroes pursuing a greater version of ourselves and knowing that we're not perfect or ever going to reach our fullest potential means we need to dedicate ourselves and find value in the pursuit of it. One of the tools we can use is the anti-fragile mindset where you invite obstacles in your life because they make you stronger and fuel your growth. We talked about taking care of your physiology first so that you have the energy you need to live with enthusiasm. And we finished talking about pressure, no pressure, no diamonds, and how it's within our discomfort where we flourish and grow in the direction of our potential as heroes. Brian embodies being a hero and has a few incredible opportunities for others to serve alongside him. He has a coaching program, which I'm in right now, that walks you through the psychological and physiological fundamentals you need to be at your best. There's a link to check that out in the description of this episode. And then he's in the middle of a pioneer fundraiser called Heroic, giving everyone access to ownership of his new company, which is unprecedented. And there's a link to that in the description of this episode as well. I'm going to listen to this one a few times, and I encourage you to do the same. And if you found it valuable, then send a text and share this episode with someone that you think is what it takes to be a hero. I'm fired up to get going now. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.